right. Good evening, everybody. Tuesday. Oh, no, that's not the... How you feeling? 6.55. 6.55 p.m. on the East Coast. And listen, we have a nice little show for you tonight. I think it was going to be a short show one way or another, but we regained some time. There was an adjustment with the the band practice that went on again tonight. Um, so I have a hard stop at 8.30 p.m., at which time I'll probably go into the next room and continue replacing parts and skins on my acoustic set. And maybe I'll do a little bit of a, a video stream from the Gilded Chat or something like that so you guys can hang out with some, some uh, after-show after banter while I do my work and who the hell knows. But in the meantime, I have a couple of great things that we can talk about. Well, not necessarily great, but I want to ask everybody because there's some... uh, We were wondering what would be in store, whether or not they're actually going to try with the... Because, you know, with with 9-11, you think about that... (coughs) That's... Excuse me. That's September of 2001. We're in high school over here. And by Halloween, everybody's like, oh, I mean, listen, I don't, I, they, where, where, when, we don't know. But something awful is going to happen. It's going to happen quick. Uh, you know, we, we would get that from Donald Rumsfeld every couple of weeks. The, the terrorists are going to, they're coming after us again. Then it's anniversaries. Is it, is it just the first string of major holidays? Is it going to be Christmas, this and that? Um major anniversaries of past pro, uh, past attacks all that just what what's going to happen and then you know we there's always the specter of terrorism that was kept overseas we would always hear of course there was uh Europe got the brunt of it with subway bombings and and things like uh attacks at concerts and whatever the hell else but as far as the repeat act that they kept promising us after 9/11 that still hasn't come, thank God. You know, uh, obviously for other parts of the world, they've got 9-11 times many thousands because the death toll from all of the wars that were justified uh, through that. But as far as we go with COVID in 2020, we are all wondering, are they really, really, how soon do you think that they are going to try it again? I guess with something like COVID, which was so much more of a behavioral modification than September 11th. The September 11th, we started getting a little bit more uh, used to getting padded down, uh, not being able to, you know, just forget a book bag somewhere without having the FBI come after you. The TSA getting zapped with a ray with an X-ray in the in the um, in the the airport and having your shampoo stolen, whatever the hell it is. Those are the little things that we got. Things changed, no doubt about it. But compared to the behavioral modifications that started in 2020, assigned clothing, mandatory medicine, no-go zones in places that you used to shop your entire life, family turning on family, suddenly you are Al-Qaeda. You, your mother can become Al-Qaeda. Are you the one harboring the terrorist inside of you, the microbe that can't be seen? Are you the terrorist? I mean, listen, it was a big one. I, I, I guess 
I guess it's logical that they would have to try it again because it's not just a, a remaking of uh, life over here in the United States, but you can tell through global passports and everything else, they want to centralize and digitize information and money and they're lumping the climate into it and everything else. So I, I guess it would it would make sense that this this would have to happen again sometime soon after the leash had been loosened for about eight to ten months or something like that. Say, okay, okay, time to tighten the leash again a little bit. We're not out of this yet. Not out of this yet. Ever vigilant. Ever vigilant. Well, according to some, according to the, the headlines today, at least in some uh, colleges and even one movie studio, I think Lionsgate too, we'll get to this right after the, the intro and stuff, the the mask mandates and the 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 periods of of you know the 14 day periods of just masking just as precaution and all that stuff it's being tried in some places which which you can chalk it up to okay well these are we're talking about hollywood and we're talking about the the colleges uh, some colleges at least I mean, that's just a political culture on these campuses. Do you think that that would just be something that you would you expect them to carry out on their own just because they're, you know, they're just good little dogs? But obviously, it starts drawing a little bit more attention than it would have if it weren't for all the rumors coming to our front step by way of places like InfoWars through the TSA and Border Patrol about what was going to be started in September and October. So we're going to go into a little bit of that. I have a, uh, I have a, I have a James Howard Kunstler article that I want to read too. And he says, in the, the, the headline is, We Won't Be Fooled Again. We Won't Be Fooled Again. Which is why I wanted to ask you guys the question. Will we be fooled again, do you think? I'm confident. I'm confident in this audience. I'm confident in myself. But as far as using we as a collective, that would be incredible. That would be incredible to see signs that the consciousness consciousness in a majority of people, the majority that would be necessary to make sure that we, the red-pilled, are not dragged through having to live with the, the, the consensus of the crazy, all over again. That's the that's the big thing. I when I ask the question, will we be fooled again? I'm not asking that. The question isn't will you be fooled again. Saying will society at large drag the rest of us along and have to adapt until they go through their hissy fits and their you know their their anxiety attacks and all that other shit, the hypochondria that's been beaten into everybody. So um, anyway. That's what we'll be doing tonight, and in the second half, in the time that we have recovered from the modification to my time in the music room, we're going to have Robert Phoenix come by. I said, Robert, what do you, you have any ideas uh, and thoughts about the the rumored lockdowns coming in the fall? He said, yes, I do. I said, well, good, because I want you on, and I want to ask you about some other things there, too. So astrologer Robert Phoenix is popping by in that last, uh, probably about for a 15-minute segment between 8 and 8.30. It's not going to be long, but I think it'll be a good use of time. Anyway, it's August 22nd. Thank you so much for joining me here tonight on Quite Frankly, QuiteFrankly.tv, YouTube, Rumble, Twitch, DLive, Theta, Rockfin, Beyond. If you're watching on YouTube and Rumble, please give it a thumbs up. It helps so much. It really does. Thank you. I am going to be filming. I'm going to be pre-recording. Here's what I, I figured I'm going to do this week.
Now, tomorrow I have a guest that I'm going to be interviewing. His name is Tristan Gooley, and he is an, a really uh, interesting guy. He is an author to an anthology of books about listening and uh, how to assess nature whether it be trees, whether it be water, from, from large bodies of water to puddles, dewdrops, all that stuff, to be able to understand what's going on around you, to navigate without any kind of, in, uh, any kind of uh, modern technology, um, to, to understand local flora and fauna. What, what can plants tell you about the, the location, about the direction that you're you're heading. Um, how to tell whether or not you're being hunted? What kind of what kind of animals inhabit the areas around you? Whatever. There's so much that he has done. Tristan Gooley has, and I'm going. But he's he's in the UK, so I'm going to be interviewing him at 2 p.m. tomorrow. It's going to be pre-recorded. What I'm going to do is I'm going to take that because I have Friday night off, the 25th. I'm going to premiere that on Friday night. It'll be about a 45-minute thing. I'll put five minutes in the beginning, five minutes at the end or whatever, make it an hour. So that on Friday night, at least on YouTube, it's the only place where I can upload a premiere like that, that and maybe Rumble at the same time. But um, I'll have that going live on Friday night for you. Saturday night, we'll still get together. And maybe we'll do the deer scene on Saturday night. I think that we have more than enough on the, the, the blog on the official thread for the deer scene. We'll do that Saturday night at 9 o'clock. But as far as tomorrow night, I don't know yet. I don't know. Because I had Tristan on the... I had him on the schedule over here. And I forgot until I looked at my notes. I think it was yesterday morning. I looked at my notes about what I was doing for the week and what what my plan was going to be. And I saw a 2 p.m. pre-record with Tristan. I said, oh, so it's not going to be a... You know what? Let me use that pre-record for Friday night since I'm not going to be on. So there's something happening. And let's just, uh, I, I guess we'll just improvise tomorrow on, on Wednesday. We'll see how it goes. I've, I mean, I've got the fourth session of Book Club at 8.30. So, anywho, Isaac Weishaupt will be on with us Thursday. We'll talk about the occult media, maybe a little bit of Twin Peaks, and, and then another big week next week. All right. All right. Let's just jump into the grab bag, shall we? I hope you'll join me. All right. Oh, first off, I had to give you guys an update of what happened to me in in um, my sleeping. What was it? I was thinking that it was the mattress. All right. And the mattress is softer than usual, but it was really my neck. How the, the, there's the pillow problem. So I said, before I really talk to Lauren about whether or not we have to test some new mattresses, at least ones that give us some options on either side, I'm going to try some new uh, pillows. And the one, I, this is not a plug because obviously they don't sponsor the show. But I had received as a gift a My Pillow, the, the Mike Lindell pillow. I received that as a gift months ago. And up until last night, the only time I used my pillow was to uh, prop it underneath my knees when I got my blood drawn in my living room in April, and it came at a it it, it, it was really relaxing as I was getting my blood drawn in my living room. Just put it right under my knees. And I'm just kind of that's it. So my pillow, great for drawing blood. Last night was the first time I slept on it. I couldn't sleep on it any time before because to stack it with another pillow, it was just too much. But because this, I think because the the mattress is so soft. I already had a little bit of a... There's a little bit of a nice sink 
and it made up for something. And I slept just fine. I went to bed late, but I slept just fine. And I'm hoping to re to repeat that tonight. So, um, just want to let you all know. Everybody's very concerned about my my not not good sleeping on Saturday and Sunday night. All right. Let's see here. First one up. This is from the Daily Star, but I, you know, I've I've read this one before. I'm sure every uh, uh, some of you out there have seen this before too. But it's making headlines again. Missing millionaire spotted living with cannibal tribe in unearthed footage. The disappearance of wealthy New Yorker Michael Rockefeller has been subject of speculation for decades, but a new podcast has hit on a possible happy ending as well as a grisly one. Now you've heard about Michael. Rockefeller. There's a lot of people there. I mean, there's uh, theories about him being Tom Hanks or something. I, I don't know. There was a lot going on here. The mystery of, of a missing millionaire may have been solved after footage emerged apparently showing a naked white man hunting alongside members of a cannibal tribe. Michael Rockefeller, a member of the famously wealthy Rockefeller family, went missing on a trip to Papua New Guinea in 1961. On November 17th, a small boat carrying Rockefeller and Dutch anthropologist Rene Wassing to the island got into trouble. Rockefeller told Wassing, I think I can make it, and started swimming the three miles to shore. He was never seen again and is widely believed to have been killed by the tribe, but recently resurfaced film footage captured near the spot where Rockefeller disappeared may change that. Podcaster, Mr. Ballin, we actually have had a, a few Mr. Ballin's videos on the Sunday when I curate for Sunday night programming. I put Mr. Ballin's videos in there from time to time. He's a good storyteller. He always finds good, really good ones. I didn't see him do this one, though. Podcaster Mr. Ballin told how Rockefeller was spotted in the jungles of, of New Guinea long after he was presumed dead. Quote, a reporter named Mit Milt Macklin heard from this mysterious Australian person who had actually run into Michael Rockefeller recently in the jungle of New Guinea, not far from where he supposedly disappeared. Macklin failed to find the missing man, but shot a great deal of footage showing the, uh, the Asmat and their home. But 40 years later, Mr. Ballin says another documentary film crew decided they were going to go to New Guinea to look for Michael because there were still all these rumors floating around that he was alive. They uncovered this unwatched footage from Milt Macklin and watched it all of all of it, and they discovered something unbelievable amongst the hours and hours of footage. It was a momentary glimpse of a white man among the islanders manning a war canoe. There he is. There's the white man, obviously. I don't know. Looks like he could be blonde. You see this canoe come into frame, and it's full of Asmat uh, tribal warriors. This is a war party, and they're making their way, presumably, into battle with some other tribe. But amongst these big, strong men is one man who totally stands out because he doesn't look like the other Asmat warriors. He's a naked, bearded white man who, even though the quality of the film was poor, totally looked like Michael Rockefeller. The idea that Rockefeller went native among the Asmat is not the only explanation for his disappearance, though. Lorne and Lawrence Blair, in their documentary series, Ring of Fire, an Indonesian odyssey, met a man who claimed to have eaten the multimillionaire New Yorker. So he's gone. Explorer Tobias Sheenbaum heard a similar story from a group of Asmat villagers, which he wrote about in his 200 book, uh, his 200 book Keep the River. On your right, a modern cannibal tale. 
Carl Hoffman, a journalist from National Geographic, found further confirmation that story and published a grisly report of Rockefeller's death. I don't know. I don't know. I think that um, this one, the jury's still out on this one. I've heard plenty on this. I'm surprised that they didn't they didn't talk about the the Tom Hanks theory about Michael Rockefeller. But you know, go playing with with cannibals, and what do you think's going to happen? You're going to get eaten. Joe Biden sparks outrage. Did you hear this? He sparks outrage by comparing Hawaiian blaze in Maui that just happened on August 8th that killed at least 114 people. There are hundreds missing. God knows out of that how many are children because they don't even want to confront the situation or the question with any kind of honesty on air. Uh, He goes and compares that blaze to a kitchen fire at his house. 15 years ago after making tone-deaf, not ground, hot ground joke to a rescuer. Joe Biden and his wife Jill spent five hours on Maui on Monday interrupting their Lake Tahoe vacation to fly the five hours to Hawaii. The president was met with signs demanding he go home and placards asking why Ukraine was receiving billions while they were in dire need. Speaking near... Putin! Putin! Come on. All you got to say, two syllables. Putin. Just say it. And people will cower. Oh, yes, I forgot. Putin. He exists. Where is it? Uh, Where's the joke? It's not a joke. But he said, said, no, no, seriously, though. Come on. How are you going to talk about this and not put the joke in there? Here it is. Listen. I don't want to compare difficulties, but we have a little sense, Jill and I, what it's like to lose a home. Years ago, now 15 years ago, I was in Washington doing Meet the Press. It was a sunny Sunday, and lightning struck at home on a little lake that's outside of our home, not a lake, a big pond, and hit a wire and came up underneath our home into the heating ducts, the air conditioning duct. To make a long story short, I almost lost my wife, my 67 Corvette, (laughs) and my cat. But all kidding aside, I watched the... That, that, That was a joke? I don't even get that part. All kidding aside. So you were joking? Well, I guess the about the Corvette. Almost lost his wife. The, was the, was his wife parked in the same place as the Corvette? I don't get that. So, um, not to compare misery, but we're going to do it anyway. And here's my trivial little, in comparison, ridiculous. So that was one thing. Uh, I obviously the the Krasensteins will probably be the first to defend him. Defend this though. Then he goes and he falls asleep at a uh, ceremony. Uh, prayer ceremony. It was in Hawaii. Everybody's very emotional because this was a horrible situation. And he seems to be sleeping. The the husk. Here he is. Now people are saying that he's he was he was praying. No, that that this is sleep breathing. Look at how deep and rhythmic the breath is. Anybody who sleeps in a bed with somebody else knows what Sleep breathing is. We are a community that relies on family, on ohana, whether by blood 
or by French. There's a little bit of a nod there. But like many others, he comes out. He's a little, little Mike Francesa moment. Little Mike Francesa moment. Now, the people, some people are more uh, incensed than others. This is a little. This is another one of those things that uh, I chuckle at because this, this is, this is the cross we've had to bear, and I guess we just got to embrace it right now. Uh, but speaking of a snoozer, listen to this line of this guest list for the first Republican primary debate tomorrow night, uh, which is going to be. And I was talking to Rich Barris about this before, which is going to be completely drowned out. Whatever does happen tomorrow night is going to be totally drowned out the next day when Trump has to surrender to that courtroom in in uh, Georgia. Listen to this guest list for the first Republican primary debate. Uh, Governor Doug Burgum. Ah, yes. President Burgum. Come on in. Thank you. Nope. I don't even know how how that is. Governor Chris Christie and probably a small team of people anchoring down his ropes so he doesn't float away. Um, Governor Ron DeSantis, we know we know him. Man, what a shame. What a shame. You remember how, how up, like it was universal excitement about DeSantis down there in Florida. Oh man, well at least when, you know, when Trump is really out of the way, we can see what this guy if if he'll uh, if he'll, you know, swing a heavy axe and and do something daring. But now I look at him and every time he smiles, I think he looks more constipated than Eric Swalwell. So there he is. And, and there's more on him too. There's this Governor Asia Asa Hutchinson. That ain't going to happen. Nikki Haley with her snow miser chin and a lust for war. That ain't going to happen. Sorry, Nikki. I'm Mr. Let's see here. Mike Pence. I hate his hair. Hate his hair, his eyes, his entire his face. Like a bunch of lines. Like slits. The entire face is just a, just, just a collection of slits. Don't have to worry about him. Vivek Ramaswamy. Now, he's this year's dark horse, I'd have to say. It's a down year. I haven't looked into his background, really, so I don't know. You know, some people really research, and they, they say, oh, well, this is suspect. This is who's carrying water for. I don't know any of that stuff. I've just heard him speak here and there, and he makes good points, and he's pretty quick on his feet. But not enough animal magnetism to be a, uh, a horse just yet. We can call him a dark pony candidate. Ramaswamy, he can be the dark pony candidate. Nothing against him, at least as of, as of yet. Like I said, I've, he's pretty quick on his feet. And he's got some good ideas. But um, And then you have rambling Tim Scott. So some candidates bad, some worse, some bland and tasteless. But overall, just business as usual. In the kiddie pool, this entire... It's, well, should Trump show up? Why? Why? Why should he show up? I was also talking with Rich Barris. This, um, I asked him, you know, how has this been... How is his saying I'm not going to be at the, the event really pulling? Because he's going to be talking with Tucker Carlson, Donald Trump, instead of being at this, you know, playing in the kiddie pool with all these these washed out candidates. Um, not to say that maybe in, in other circumstances on another year, they wouldn't have had a lot more interest thrown their way. But it's just, it's over. It, it, right now, it's... It, with what the situation is, no. And Trump has not l- lost a lick of support, which means 
which means that while he's out there doing some media that's actually going to serve him a little bit more, the kids in the kiddie pool are all going to be piling up on Ron DeSantis, who as of right now, Rich said um, that tomorrow we're probably going to have Trump plus 43. Plus 43. And Ramaswamy essentially tied with DeSantis. So DeSantis has lost all of his lead on on uh, the people below. There's, it's going to be a tied second place, 43% behind Trump. So the kiddie pool is right. And that's just crazy. It's, it's crazy. Why show up? Why show up at all? I wouldn't. No way in hell. All right. Uh, and one other thing. No, that's it. I'll save this for tomorrow. Let's get this one started because we are, we got a lot to do. Got a lot to do and a little time to do it. And we have a great guest stopping by for a short segment in the second half. Don't go anywhere, ladies and gentlemen. In fact, please help me get this show out to new people. Help me. It's just you and I. You and I. Become a sponsor of the show. Please become a a monthly sponsor of the show. It'd be great to have you all aboard for all those universal perks and the, the, the wonderful fabric of support that we're weaving into this show so that we can really propel into the future. Um, no matter how crazy it is, I'm, I'm, listen, if you, if you live in the conspiracy world, if you live in the world of the possibilities, the dark possibilities, the light possibilities, you'll, you, you just don't know what you're going to get every day, then what we're living through right now is actually pretty exciting. It really is. It's an adventure. We don't know what kind of twists and turns are going to be. If you're prepared, if you're preparing within and without, then this is pretty exciting if you ask me. Because, you know, this is our chapter. This is our chapter. This is the one that we have to write. The next generation, they have to write theirs. So let's seize this one. We'll be right back. Thank you for all the support. And share the show, like the show, comment, and get it out there for me. I would really, really appreciate that. Be right back. You let one ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride! Tuesday 
It feels like a Thursday. It feels like a Monday. Strange. So yeah, I, I, that that is something I think about a lot. Obviously, you want things to get better, but it doesn't mean that sometimes the turmoil, the stress, can be a little bit um, stimulating. It's why people go gravitate to horror films and psychological thrillers. Obviously, there's a little bit of a buffer there that makes people really comfortable watching horror films, and that is it's not actually happening to you. But then again, there are horror films that are based on true stories, and I don't know. There's got to be a hero. There's got to be a hero generation. There's got to be a, a thought that prevails, a truth that shines through. Well... One thing we do know is that rumors can turn out to be true as well, and I um, I wanted to put this out there. We did the InfoWars thing on Thursday night or Friday night that came out about the TSA, and then as of today, we have a interesting little cluster that's gotten anybody who's paid attention to these things um, pretty closely thinking the same thing. Wow. Uh, were Alex Jones's Sources correct? Again? I mean, it wasn't a far stretch for anybody to, to ask, okay, so um, mission accomplished with 2020. When are, what are they going to do next? How far are they going to push it? Is there going to be any kind of variation to, the, to what? I mean, we learned a lot. That's the whole thing here. I guess it's uh, what's your mindset going into this? This next round, is it you're ready for the adventure? You're just you're ready for it this time, and you are just going to be a little bit more what? Because we we did have to learn a lot the first time around that we don't need to do necessarily right now. First of all, origin story, whether or not it was legit, we got to see. Um, the first couple of months of 2020, there were still a lot of question marks, but I mean, I think that the, the picture developed pretty quickly, especially when we found event 201. We didn't know necessarily just how bad the uh, the virus was itself, whatever was going around, people getting sick. We didn't know exactly what that was going to be. We got the closed cla caption television cameras. So we'd say, all right, brace yourself. Let's see if people start dropping dead in the streets. That would have been a pretty big telltale sign. So that's number one. Check that box. Okay, this is uh, this is a virus of a different color. Whatever the hell it is, it's not the one that we saw on all those ridiculous television, um, you know, street cams. And then there was event 201. We saw planning. We, say, we saw coordination. We saw media coordination. We saw Netflix coordination with Bill Gates and everybody else. We saw it all. Um, the World Economic Forum became in your face, so in your face, and so, uh, it, I mean, it's everything. It was everything. The World Economic Forum, how many candidates around the world got their, their motto, their slogan, their, their slogan for their campaigns from the World Economic Forum in 2020? It's just incredible. We saw the money trails. We saw the NIH. We saw all the culprits because many of them are being reintroduced to ourselves from other, other uh, times in, in our history dealing with so-called deadly pathogens like AIDS. That led us to understanding the kinds of tests that were being run out, who made those tests, what their limitations were, what the rate for the false positives were. We started getting a really, really big 
big picture. Then, of course, we started finding out through people like Dr. Zelenko, God rest his soul, and others, uh, how to establish good protocols with supplements that were all over the place, with drugs that have safe, uh, have uh, even more uh, safer, um, uh, uh, better safety profiles than Tylenol. We know what those drugs were. They were they were banned in certain states just to make sure that everybody was getting the poison shit that shut your kidneys down. Um, so we learned a lot. We learned a lot within about a year and a half. Those are things, those are patterns we can recognize, things that are going to be similar. We know, we understand a lot now. Who knows what will be different? But we're going into this like sophomores. Uh, you know, it, it's not all, we're not all wet behind the ears at this point. So what's your mindset going into it? And how do you think other people around you are going to react? I mean, if you look at the people who are going out and getting boosters right now, uh, everybody that ran out and got the first five seem to be saying, I think I'm good now. Is that just because what? Because they needed a fire lit under their ass or because they're starting to wonder, is this really necessary and why am I having all these issues? Some of them are asking that too. Um, but what do you think? Here is from News Nation, Rutgers University. They will still require COVID vaccine mask mandates. Over 100 schools will require students to be vaccinated this year. Rutgers guidelines sparking some outcry in New Jersey. The senator says, a senator there says the administrators at Rutgers should be ashamed of themselves. But again, this is not proof of this is not proof of a new lockdown coming in itself, in and of itself. When you're talking about just what the brain trust on American colleges, you'd think that some of them at least a hundred, absolutely, are going to are going to do this stuff. If for no other reason than just consistency. Atlanta College reinstates mask mandates for students and, and employees on campus. Atlanta, an Atlanta College announced this week that it is reinstating its mask mandate for everyone on campus. Morris Brown College began classes just last week, but will require all students and employees to wear face masks. Officials say there have been no confirmed COVID-19 cases among its students, but they have received reports from other schools in the area, in the Atlanta University Center. Uh, the mask mandate is precautionary move for the next 14 days. Oh, oh man, we know what 15 days turned into. Morris Brown College will also not allow any parties or large social gatherings on campus during this time. My gosh. My gosh. My gosh. Other precautionary measures include temperature checks upon campus arrival, social distancing and contact tracing. Morris Brown College does a vaccine requirement uh, does have a vaccine requirement for students with religious and medical exemptions allowed. Get religious everybody. For wherever they're still um acknowledging it, get religious I'd say. <laughs> uh and then we go to Hollywood, another place where in and of itself it's not proof positive that a bigger lockdown is coming soon. We all expected them to try it again because of how well they pulled it off the first time. Um, some things are going to have, to have to change, but we have a cluster of articles like this. We have the rumors coming out of the TSA and the, the Border Patrol, and it all, you know, the, the pieces fit. Lionsgate brings back mask mandates in office. A new, as new variant EG.5... EG.5 becomes dominant 
The studio is asking some of its employees to mask up and self-test. Is it starting again? The Hollywood Reporter asks. A Hollywood studio has instituted a mask mandate for its employees in light of the current COVID wave. Lionsgate sent an email to staff asking them to mask up on certain floors of its Santa Monica office after several employees caught the virus. Several employees got a cold. The studio is also asking employees to conduct self-screening before coming to the office. While this is obviously just one uh, office of one studio, the move comes amid national buzz about whether mask mandates might be returning as variant EG.5 has become dominant in the United States. Now, what is worthy of noting is that when the Hollywood Reporter says there's some national buzz about whether or not mask mandates are coming back, because of variant EG.5. He's not talking about the buzz that was created during uh, an InfoWars broadcast. Not talking about their own sources within the TSA and Border Patrol. Um, Talking about mainstream sources that are starting to massage the idea that even if it doesn't happen, the fact that it is being kept in the the forefront of people's minds is just that hey uh, there may be a situation where this will have to be necessary again so just be ready for it i know that we we like the uh, the leash being a little bit loose the collar loosened a little bit around our throats but uh we're we're not you know we have not vanquished all the viruses on the planet ladies and gentlemen and there may be a reason why we have to put them back on again that in itself is programming conditioning behavioral modification so, and again, this is as mainstream, shallow end of the pool shit as you can get, Hollywood Reporter. Okay? This is not before it's news. Um, anyway, so that's that. Now I want to read this. James Howard Kunstler, he's got the big, he's got the big, uh, I guess the, the big article, the blog. That inspired the topic of tonight's show. Take a listen to this. We won't be fooled again. Good faith. Here we go. Of all vicious lies spun around the COVID-19 operation, among the most damaging was the campaign to demonize ivermectin, a Nobel Prize winning true wonder drug among the safest known pharmaceuticals ever, effective against disease-causing parasites and also a potential antiviral agent, which was exactly why the CDC and FDA turned on it. It very effectively subdued COVID-19 infections. That is, it worked. And because... Because of that, these agencies had to pretend that it was worthless and harmful to protect the emergency use authorization for the fabulous mRNA vaccines that didn't work and ended up harming, disabling, and killing many people. Any treatment that proved effective would have invalidated the EUA and negated the liability shield that came with the EUA, protecting the vaccine manufacturers from lawsuits. A week ago, in a lawsuit brought by three doctors against the FDA for its COVID-19 restrictions, DOJ lawyer Ashley Honnold told the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit in Louisiana that, quote, FDA explicitly recognizes that doctors do have the authority to prescribe ivermectin to treat COVID. Yeah, tell that to the big pharmacy chains that are still getting in the way of people's prescriptions. I've gotten some vitamin I uh, filled. I've, you know, little, little bit of this, little bit of that, but the hoops... Especially if you don't know somebody, these pharmacists, nobody's in the chain 
that links you to your doctor, which should be a direct line, no chain in between. Um, it, it is crazy how it might become corporate mandate, whatever the hell it is, but they have inserted themselves in many ways to be political um, bouncers. Political bouncers. They don't want to be a conduit for people going out there and getting drugs that they, they prefer taking. Which is crazy, which is crazy, because even if they say, oh, there's a lot of misinformation out there, people shouldn't be able to pick up the drug, go and uh, request drugs, just whatever. Oh, yeah? Well, then I would like to see every last drug commercial pulled from the television. I would love to see it. I would love to see them all gone. You know, if I can't see Camel Joe and the Marlboro Man anymore in magazines and on television, if I can't see Camel Joe anymore walking around playing pool with his his jeans and his leather jacket whatever then then I do I do not want to see all of these crazy drugs these advertisements of people mowing their fucking lawns looking like they're so happy cuz their ass is not leaking and whatever the hell else is going on with them and then at the end ask your doctor about it today then you walk into the doctor's office and say I'd like this and trust me when I've taught cuz I worked in pharmacies for a long time Doctors yield to patients who are insistent about trying one thing or another. Now, if there's going to be major interactions, they'll say, I'm sorry, I can't do this for you. But for the most part, I can't tell you how many times over the seven or eight years that I worked in a pharmacy, mom and pop pharmacy that doesn't exist anymore, that people have changed doc. They will change doctors because every time they see them, they were not given something new. That they believe that getting a prescription is the mark of being taken care of. So the fact that there was any kind of interference by pharmacies in getting people drugs that they were prescribed by their doctor after God knows how much, uh, but anyway, that's another story. Let's see, where are we here? A week ago in a lawsuit. The FDA recognizes um, to prescribe ivermectin to treat COVID. Really? After three years of bad-mouthing the drug in public service announcements, horse and cow dewormer, not for humans, and telling national boards of physicians not to use it, and telling the National Organization of Pharmacists not to fill prescriptions for it. There you go. Which resulted in many states' officials uh, officially forbidding its use which led to gross injustices at the, as the state of Maine medical board's obtuse and insane persecution of biowarfare expert and epidemiologist Dr. Merrill Nass, for which Dr. Nass is now suing them, and to many other state boards revoking the licenses of doctors. I know uh, Dr. Tenpenny just had, had some licensure issues in Ohio recently. Would love to get her back on the, on the air. Days after that, that howler by DOJ lawyer Honold and the FDA honchos in D.C. walking back what she told the court, saying, quote, it is not authorized or approved ivermectin for use in preventing or treating COVID-19, nor has the agency stated that it is safe or effective for that use. The agency then invoked its battery of fake excuses for that ruling. Studies are inconclusive, blah, blah, which is more... Just more bullshit, you understand, because the bottom line is the same as ever. The FDI will not surrender the EUA and its various protections for the COVID vaccines, and it will employ any official lie to support that position. It also happened uh, that going back to the 2019 debut of the COVID-19, Dr. Anthony Fauci, then head of the NIAID, and Francis Collins, then head of the NIH, 
Two related agencies that funded and supported coronavirus gain-of-function research in the Wuhan Institute of Virology received many millions of dollars in royalties for their part in developing the mRNA vaccines against the COVID-19 pathogen that they had priorly developed. The total dollar figure rumored to be above $300 million. See how that worked? If you are among that segment of the population that has not lost its mind, you might realize that the public health authorities have no authority. They lied outrageously about everything connected to the COVID-19 crisis. And when they were caught lying, they just lied some more in vain in a vain attempt to cover up their previous lies. And so it would be foolish to regard anything they say from now on without a complete house cleaning of agency personnel, plus some earnest prosecutions as worth listening to and following. Authority, you see, is granted only to those who are trustworthy. Yes, it's really that simple. If an authority lies about everything and is caught doing it, then it is rendered invalid. Now, it happens that the U.S. public health agencies, huge and costly as they are, make up only one part of the even larger and costlier U.S. government, which has been busy surrendering the authority of all of its other parts for years now to the point that the whole enterprise is untrustworthy and indeed in need of severe house cleaning. Traditionally, elections are the mechanism for cleaning that house, but our elections have lost their authority too, have they? Really? How so? Because the untrustworthy officials in charge of them employ dubious systems for the gathering of the vote. Mail-in balloting that invites fraud and hackable vote uh, counting machines that are connected to the internet. All indisputable. But if you're okay with the results, if you think that it serves your interests, then you can scoff and you can tut 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 people all you like. The defects of these things are so obvious they can hardly be ignored, and the remedy is obvious and simple, too. Paper ballots hand-counted in small precincts of manageable size, all done on one day, which we call Election Day, and which should be a national holiday so more working people can get to the polls. Somehow, though, we are unable to avail that remedy, probably because the untrustworthy people in charge would lose their jobs and the power they enjoy in a truly fair election. So they conclude, let's not have that. It's even looking like the untrustworthy public health authorities are ramping up yet a new, fresh COVID-19 scare for the fall. In order to reinforce the special mail-in voting scheme that worked so nicely for them, and to, discor- and, uh, to disorder the minds of the public so it'll be the, they'll be too frightened to notice that all the other parts of the government are failing in virtually all of their duties, and to the people of this land. Bring on some new COVID variants and the lovely new booster vax. That'll work out so well, not. Go ahead, we say. I dare you. We won't be fooled again. So now I ask you, I ask you, do you think, do you think that we, when we say we, I'm talking about the greater, the greater population. We are a subset of that population. Do you think that that is going to be something where on a larger scale, even in blue states, nobody's going to comply? Are business owners ever going to go through what they just did if they survived the last three years somehow? Do you think they'll ever do that to their businesses again? Do you think that local sheriffs are going to be more inclined of doing their duty to protecting their constituents? from any kind of unconstitutional seizing of civil rights, anything like that, torturous torturous, uh, interference, because that's really what it is when you're talking about shutting down people's businesses and everything else. That is, um, that's it. Will we be fooled again? Not you. 
Not you. We know that you're the smartest, sharpest tools in the shed, 100%. If you're watching this show, you're the sharpest tools in the shed. But uh, we saw how much compliance there was, and it dwarfs us in many respects. And because of that, we were dragged along for the ride, red-pilled and all. So what's your mindset going into the next round, and what do you think is going to happen there? Uh, A really quick break. We come back. You're taking your calls, 914-200-0269. And not only that, I'm setting up an inside information line. It's 914-369-1236. I don't know what the hell it is. Call in with a quick pitch, 30 to 45 seconds. You have inside information? Give it to us. But it better be good. It's not an opinion. If you are an insider, call in with your moniker, make up a fake name, and give us your inside information. It might be a total LARP. I don't know. That's for the audience to decide. But we have an inside info line for tonight, 914-369-1236. And then the general line for everybody else, 914-200-0269. Call in right now. We'll be right back. Welcome to Costco. I love you. Welcome to Costco. I love you. Welcome to Costco. I love you. Frankly, listen live or download it and take it with you wherever you go while you're driving, walking, working, or <laughs> you dirty dog. For all things, go to quitefrankly.tv. You like what you see? Become a sponsor. Quite Frankly streams live weekdays at 7 p.m. Eastern wherever you get your podcast. So for everything, it's quitefrankly.tv. That rug really tied the room together, did it not? Fucking A. This guy peed on it. Donnie, please. Had it, friend. You looking for a message board? Go to quitefrankly.tv and enter the forum. Engage with official show topic threads or start your own thread. Get signed up. It's that easy. And it's not Reddit, so don't sweat it. For the forum and so much more, it's quitefrankly.tv. Yeehaw. Like a trampled flag on a city street. Oh, yeah. And I don't want it. I'm going to go on a bad religion kick now. Empire Strikes First. I think I'm going to listen to that. And New Maps of Hell. I'm going to listen to New Maps of Hell tomorrow. I haven't listened to those tracks in a long time. Okay, so ladies and gents, let's take some calls. 914-200-0269. What are you thinking? And if you have inside information, here, let's go to the inside information line right now. Uh, 252, you're on the air. What's going on? What do you have for us inside inside information? Okay, here's inside information. I run a small business in a rural town in North Carolina. Every week, I deposit and go through... Four to six thousand dollars in cash, and for the past number of years, where Janet Yellen, our Treasury Secretary, has been supposed to, you know, be the Treasury Secretary, and her name is supposed to be on it, there has been nothing. 
every single bill has been Steve Mnuchin, which was the Treasury Secretary for Trump. So people don't look at money because I guess people don't care to look at cash, but if you go to the Bureau of Engraving and Printing, they'll tell you how much cash they're printing. The first $5 bill with her name on it came through this past week. I don't know if it came through through Ukraine or where, but I can tell you in circulation, look at the cash that you have in your pocket. Up until last week, I guaranteed everyone $100 that they could give me a bill with her name on it. Uh, it's let me real. S- and, let me see. Hold on a second. But, I think I have like 15 I think I have $15 on me. Hold on. Let me see. Look at it. Uh, the one the, bill I found was a five. Okay. Now, here, here's a five. That's Steve Mnuchin. And here is another 10, Steve Mnuchin. And not only that, but I've gotten into the habit of divvying up my 20s and everything to money before Steve Mnuchin, money after the Trump administration, which was Steve Mnuchin. And the ratio of money that is newer is probably like at 80% now. It's getting harder because they're destroying, you know, they destroy cash. 4.7 years is what the Bureau of Engraving and Printing says a $5 bill lasts. Yeah, you can go on to the bureau, and, and it's and it's crazy because I keep telling people. I told another friend of mine who's in the industry. He went to the bank and got like a whole stack of hundreds. They are all in sequence in order, and he asked the bank manager, "Well, why is why are all these in 2017? All of them, 2017, Steve Mnuchin. That was the last 2017A, Steve Mnuchin. So if anyone's questioning whether or not the cash is going away, I mean, you should know this." Already it is. Wow, okay. But it, it, it absolutely will be. And I can tell you, uh, I, I see it. I have one bill with her name on it. Everybody, keep more keep more uh, vigilant about it. This is a really great... I, I, you know what? I'm going to leave this inside information call, uh, line open a lot more, I think. This is this is a really great maiden voyage. Thank you so much for the call. Um, uh, keep an eye out for that. Keep an eye out for that. You remember, you remember over the last three years, everybody said, well, we had a change shortage? There's a shortage of change. Now, I haven't heard anything about that again in a while, but they said that was pretty much because, you know, a lot less people were going out and transacting, and that kind of made things hard. I I don't know how it all worked, but we were talking about the shortage of change, physical change, in uh, for a couple of weeks there. Then all of a sudden it went away. Let's take a call from the general line. Hold on a second. Where the hell are we? Uh, Why is that? 914-200-0269. 914-200-0269. Why the hell did that pop away? All right, well, let's take a let's take another one from the inside information line. John, how are you? Frank, nice to talk with you. So my inside information has to deal with the CDC and um, a doctor, a pediatric doctor that I was dating. And it was three, three years, four years before the COVID fiasco, and she would come back from, she would, she travels internationally, and she goes and speaks to um, other physicians and stuff about uh, tube feeding is her specialty, okay, so special needs. Anyway, she'd, she'd go to the CDC, and this is three years before COVID, they were insisting that every doctor that had to deal with any of the patients, any of the kids, just her specialty, that she had to have a mask and a face shield on before she was allowed to interact with the kids at the CDC. 
and she said it scared the kids. There was like this immediate tension between her and her patients, and the kids were freaked out by it. And she really pushed back hard against having to do it, and to no avail. When she was at the CDC headquarters, she was required to wear a full face shield and a face mask, and they had were no choice. Even if it wasn't a con- they were studying. Uh, they were no doubt about it. They were they were trying to see what the effect of the the face masks and the face shield would have on on patients. You said this is only when she yeah. was treating children at CDC headquarters. Like she, they they actually administer to patients there. Yes. Yeah. When she'd go there, and she was whether it be for uh, you know she wouldn't she she wouldn't go you know every week or something, but she'd go there a couple times a year, several times a year. And she would, every time she would come back, she would say to me, it's absolute evil in that place. And, and she would also say that about the Cleveland Clinic as well. And that was 2017, you said. It was about three years before game day. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, cool. th- yeah. End of 2016, 2017, all through. Yeah, I stopped seeing her like in 2019. And... Those yeah, are, she said, you know, yeah, words, she, she, words she that very, stuff. She was very put off by the entire vibe and energy at the CDC. Words so. that stuck with you, even though you, you split up in 2019, I'm sure that's something that'll, that, you know, once this started all coming to a head and you saw people walking around with the, with the shields and the, the, the space helmets, that must have just came right back to mind. Thanks for the call, John. Yeah, thank you, sir. There you go. Little insight. Little little quick pitches over here. All right. Well, uh, general thoughts and questions too. Nine one four two zero 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 two six nine. Nine one four two zero 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 two six nine. Hold on a second. Oh, that's what the issue is. I'm in a meeting. Let's take a call. Uh, you caller, you're on the air. Hey, Frank. It's Rob Worth. Hello, Rob. How are you? How are you doing today? I'm doing well. It's good to hear from you. So what are your thoughts tonight? Well, you briefly mentioned TSA earlier uh-huh. in the conversation. Um, I don't necessarily believe... I had two things for you. So on the TSA thing, I don't believe 9-11 happened the way that they tell us. So when they want me to go through the body scanners, when I fly... I just tell them that I want to opt out, and then they'll, come, they'll give you a pat-down. But what I'm recommending to everybody that listens to your show, it takes an extra 10 minutes, but if we all were to say no body scanners, we want the pat-down, imagine how much longer the fucking TSA lines would be. <laughs> like, yeah, it, it would. You know what I'm saying? It would, but you know what? Their workday is the same one way or another and they know that the pressure is going to be squarely on the people who are uh the the, the, the few of us if they if it were the many then then we had something that yeah. that's always what it comes down to rob it's it's just i wish that for noble causes like resisting uh tyranny like that at a at an airport and everywhere else i i wish that there was a way to just form a a, a beneficial hive mind for once a hive mind that yeah. actually preserves individual liberty and uh you know shuts down you know, oh well wh- why is it that tens of thousands of people did not get on their their flights today oh they're not yeah. fly- they're not flying anymore they refuse to get on without being I, I, 
That would that would be interesting. That would be interesting. But yeah, I'm just saying if the more of us that do it, it causes them to. You're right. At the end of the day, they still have to work the same number of hours. But if if more of us do it, it may just come down to a point where, I don't know. Maybe it's really. <laughs> well, it's just my fight. It's my my fight against the tyranny, right? So. I, like it's a good it's a good one. If you know what, uh, right there, Rob. If you know that if it's within your if it's within the your ability of getting that done and being able to opt out and at least just taking care of yourself and sticking to whatever principles you have in that respect, yep. then, then yeah, why the hell not? But also remember, it's the whole, and thanks for the call, it's the whole CBS situation with me. You can go in there and you can fight everybody and see. If you know you're not wanted at this point, I'm just not going to shop in the places that I know are going to be nuts about that shit. I'm not, I'm, I'm fine with it. I really am fine with it. I'm not going to be anywhere, anywhere where that is is required of me. Um, but at the same time, getting into going into a place just looking for confrontation, uh, it's going to leave you on the short end of the stick every time. C- police confrontations, uh, getting banned forever from a place. It just unless you have the whole crowd with you, then it's just. One of those things. All right, let's go to the inside information line again. Quick pitch. Who's got this? Hello? Hello, who's this? Hey, this is Sunday. How are you, Frank? I'm doing well. So what inside information you have for us? First time caller for the uh, bingo people. Um, So, hey, I used to work in Niger or Niger. Okay. Um, My husband still works over there. And, you know, they talked about it maybe a couple weeks ago about how there was little bit of a shit show going on over there and it's died down a whole bunch it's it's really really actually super not good right now everything's super on lockdown i don't know how relatable that is to the rest of the audience but um when you, know, you say when, you, thing. When, when it's when you say that it's it's locked down in niger yeah i mean the like the borders are totally closed there's um curfews that are like crazy but i'm not, I'm not talking um, it's not biological it's I'm not so sorry. yeah yeah it's not biological yeah i, I knew that there was some no, no, there's no, no, some no. civil strife my bad, my bad yeah okay correct because they did like a military coup or whatever over there but i got you know, a little bit of a feeling and it, you know it's, it's just ramping up a lot that you know from him but i'm kind of seeing it as well uh that shit's just gonna blow up over there with the whole ECOWAS, which is like the, I don't know, European, something African thing. Anyway, crazy. That's all. Not a whole lot. Okay. All right. Well, they're, 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 everybody look out for that coming out of Niger. Got that. That Wouldn't that be funny if uh, if, if something if something is going on over there that requires the, the world to pay attention in bigger, bigger ways, and we have to have Joe Biden try to pronounce that that uh, that country name? Over and over again, you know there's going to be at least one slip up. We'll see if uh, if uh, Al Sharpton has something to say after that. <laughs> oh boy! All right, seven fifty-seven. This is going well. We have the the general line open at two hundred zero two six nine two hundred nine one four two zero 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 two six nine, and we also have the inside information line, ladies and gentlemen. Inside information that is, I've got something for you. I've got something for you. And don't, don't, you have to, if it's a LARP, make it a good LARP. That's what I'll say. The audience will be the judge. 
All right. Um, if that's it, then we're going to go on an intermittent. Hold on. There's, here's one more. Here's a call. 347. What's going on, Home Slice? Hey, what's going on, man? How you uh, doing? First time call. I've been, I've been listening to your show for a while. Great well, stuff. It's great to have you on, my friend. I saw the area code. So, yeah, 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 I think I'm in your neck of the woods. I'm not too far from you. Not too far. Um, yeah, yeah. So, um, you're talking about the COVID lockdowns. I have a little bit of a theory. I want, I want, to, I want to get your take on this. Okay. So, all right. I definitely, there's a bunch of, they're not even whispers at this point. There's people talking about it constantly. You can read a ton of articles. And they're definitely going to try it before the election or probably year end. But what if the play this time is that they actually fucking release something, I'm sorry, cursing, release something that is actually deadly, you know, in, in isolated areas just to scare the hell out of everybody. I, I, theory I, I have that, you know, you know. I, I always thought about, I thought about that where, you know, you, you, you lead with something that is low risk, high reward, but again, exactly. yeah, the, then the, you know, the, the counter punch their own counterpunch, the combo, you come back with something that really is, you know, takes out 30% of everybody that, that, that gets it. Right. But, 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 you know, while you, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. I don't know. It's, it's, it's different, man. When, when you talk about biological uh, situations like this, it's not like you can't, there's no perci- way to precision strike it. Um, yeah. uh, you know, yeah, there's, that's true. They, it's, it's, you're, you're leaving yourself up to, die from the very same thing because absolutely uh, you can't because it's another thing oh well well frank well you, the elite in the in the in the world uh they can be counted in many thousands if not maybe a couple of hundred thousand and whatever and uh, maybe a couple of million at the most out of seven billion how many people are elite is it possible that in the lead up to something uh, all those people can be inoculated against something that is real so that all is left behind is them but you you have to remember right, that, that would be ridiculous right? that would be ridiculous out of those people up there that what there's there's nobody in this world that has money and influence and friends that are benevolent there's nobody everybody is uh, is is parasitical and then the other thing there too is you, you you have to remember for the world for anything to happen for any any kind of changing in power you need yeah you need the factories you need the workers too and we're not totally ai there are some things that have been reliant on assembly lines for a long long time but to just just to discri- indiscriminately kill off everybody that you're going okay, to need what about this what about the people that are actually that actually took this this vaccine, they they are inoculated from whatever next strain that they have. Uh, well, that that was that's that's an interesting. <laughs> no, no, no. It, it's an that at first we were thinking that too. Is it possible? It, you know, is it possible that this was the the real the, the real thing? What if for yeah. whatever is coming in the in the in the future, the uh, the the compliant ones were the ones that were going to really. Uh, but you know, I, I guess there's the and, they'll, and, they'll be, and they'll be the factory workers and the one you know the the, the serfs. Well, the, uh, well, you can't you, you can't teach all the people. Thank and thank you for the call because I got to go on a break now. But you can't teach all the people to become factory workers who never worked in a factory before. Again, this is all very imprecise. And if that were the real thing, then you think about the trade-off. All right, well, here's some neurological damage right now, some light neurological damage right now, but you're going to be able to be fully protected against the real disease when it comes in a couple of years from now. It's, uh, at this point, it's just, 
it's just been debilitating on a social standpoint, biological, everything. Um, I don't know. I think it's just, it's mostly psychological, this war. But I, I don't think that they're going, I think that they have to stick, when you talk about biological stuff, you have to go low risk, high reward, and, and have all of your magicians in the media and the cultural institutions to go out there and create the shadow puppetry that's going to make all that work. All right, really quick intermission. When we come back, we're going to your Super Chats, quite frankly, superchat.com, your Rumble Rants, and your Foxhole Gold Pills, and then we're getting on the line with, uh, with Robert Phoenix for a brief, but should be a really good, really good um, spot in the second half. Don't go anywhere. It's intermission time, folks. Time out to press the like button. Thank you. Welcome to Intermission. We'll, we'll be right back. Yeah, Intermission. just I kind of move along because I don't have the full hour here in the second half so we're just going to keep doing at a nice pace and then we're going to bring on Robert Phoenix robertphoenix.com great calls so far here's a couple Nick uh, Nick Nick P who is a monthly subscriber to the show said Frank I had a thought this morning while listening to Colonel Douglas McGregor on Tucker uh, what if the return of the COVID lockdowns is to distract from a defeat in Ukraine? There is an overlap between people that support Ukraine and are still terrified of COVID. If Ukraine leaves the news cycle, it can be replaced with COVID, fear, porn, and even that group of voters engaged. Uh, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think that it, it can, they, they work, they complement. One can take precedent over the other. I don't think, I don't know. 
We're, we're talking about people who are barely conscious. Uh, that's really what it comes down to. The, 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 those out there who really, when it's time to pick up the blue and yellow flag and put that in their storefront or put that on their front stoop or something like that, they go and do it. When it's time to put up another flag, they go and do it. When it's time to put on a mask, they go and do it. Those people, you, you might, when you pull them away, when you pull them away from the trigger, like when the when the bell rings, when the trigger is is initiated and they are they are in line and they are just listening to what and they obey. There's a difference between them in that mode and you talking about any number of mundane things in everyday life. You can actually, you know, there's just something they're not they, they slip into an unconscious state. So I don't I don't really think that I don't know. COVID is COVID is coming back. Cup, you know, put the mask on a little bit, and you ignore that nearly four hundred thousand Ukrainians have been slaughtered for no fucking reason other than to preserve what is a deep state shell company in Ukraine. I mean, that is how the hell does a useless paper mask? overshadow that kind of a slaughter that we have funded. I don't I don't know. But then again, maybe because for at least some people because they're unconscious. And they're just drifting from one lily pad to the next, jumping one fun foot to the next. Uh let's see here. Uh, hey Frank, this is from John. I was wondering if you would like, if you'd be willing to pose a question to the Franklies and the Franciscans. Are they going to watch the Republican debates, and if so, why? I'm hoping most people will pass in the debates, thus crushing the rest of the field's morale. I also hope that they will watch Trump on Tucker, that runs concurrently with the debates, and then can watch the epic meltdown on M- uh, of the MSM. I think that people are going to watch the Republican uh, debates as for the same reasons that they would watch. Democrat debates because they everybody on that stage is really outside of the scope of of what the majority of American uh, non-progressive voters want they, they they're outside this it's just business as usual it's just it's just reheated leftovers it's like I said there's a dark pony candidate but it's just not his time if ever it will be I don't know but there'll be people watching, and if they're not watching live because they want to check out Trump with Tucker, then they'll go back to it afterwards. They'll make highlights, and we'll we'll divide. And then, of course, the next day, Trump presents himself to the court in in Georgia, and nobody's talking about the debates, either. You know, and and it's not like they're not going to be talking about Trump. They have to. The 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 people who are at the kiddie pool, at this debate tomorrow. They are all at least thirty four points behind Donald Trump. If they are going to run with the nomination for the party, that's the guy they have to somehow leapfrog over, which is impossible, unless he's lawfared off of the campaign trail. The reason why there are eight people, or however many, that are showing up to debate this, to debate each other tomorrow, they'll say, oh, it's because, you know, hey, I'm an American, I get to run if I want to. Yeah, sure. I mean, there's thousands of people who are, are declared. Every time there's a presidential election, we get to know eight of them from both sides. But there are thousands of people, the people declared all over the country that you'll never hear about. So, yeah, I understand it's an every American's right 
if you check off certain boxes, if you have, if you were born here, you are a certain age, and you can go out there and you can run for president. But um, all these people, the only people who have the funds to actually get on television, uh, they are waiting to see if Donald Trump is going to have um, some Department of Justice help them out and get rid of the 34 point percentage leader hulking maniac above them get out of the way and just have the nomination fall right into their laps that's all this is they're waiting for somebody to hit the pinata can they actually break the legs off of the donald trump pinata and have the candy come down and fall into their laps they're undeserving laps that's all they're doing right there so they have to talk about him because they have to find some kind of way a to show that, hey, well, well, you know, I actually agree with, you know, I can be a Trump replacement or I have even better ideas or I'm. So he's going to be at the debates no matter what. His presence is always felt. It's rent free in their heads. They all know who's who who hovers above them 34 points up. And meanwhile, he's talking to Tucker, which is another big. I mean, think about it. He owns the media that night. He will be in everybody's minds at the debate. He's going to be right there with Tucker Carlson, who's the biggest personality in media, especially non-progressive media. And the hell. And uh, we, we just digest everything. Take highlights. We make fun of certain things. We analyze other things. Bombard's body language gets a little try at it. Everybody has their swing. So I guess that's what it is. Uh, let's go. Shit, I'm running out of time. Thank you. This is on, uh, whatchamacallit, on... Foxhole on QuiteFrankly.tv, where everybody should be watching, especially in a in a situation where this is the last night we're on YouTube. We re- we read a very controversial article last night on the Kunstler bo- blog. If I'm not here tomorrow night at seven o'clock on YouTube, it's because, well, I did not take a vacation. So go look for me on QuiteFrankly.tv and make sure that's always the first place you look. Uh, Porpoiseful, thank you, Robert Sarns. I'm just going to read these names. NJSF. He says, on the masks, at the very least, the brainwashing and conditioning must go on. Sean Joe, yeah, yeah, they have to at least keep floating it out there. Okay, there's no mask requirements here, but you know, there's, there's a new variant out there, and we were wondering whether or not, as a precautionary measure, we should institute a mask mandate again. That's always, that's always reminding you they reserve the right to do it because it's the right thing to do. It's, it's, it's just programming, programming. Uh, let's see here. NJSF again says, I'm not even sure it's the pharmacist. It may just be the pharmacy techs. Captain Flint, thank you. CJMM61 uh, says, you know Biden will butcher Niger, given his association with, uh, with Robert Byrd. Captain Flint again says, doesn't matter how elite you are, you're going to need a plumber. Exactly. That's what I'm talking about. You can't indiscriminately take out the workforce. <clears throat> you can't do it. So, um, yeah. NJSF again, uh, the herd conditioning started with the avatar profile picture changing the Facebook and Twitter virtue signaling. Yes, indeed. And Delona says, went to the beach last week with family and friends. Their youngest 10-year-old wore a mask out in public. Wow. Still at the beach. Imagine imagine being 10 years, you know, you're 10 years old. You, Me? 10 years old? In the summertime? I had the tan lines from the tank top. Can you imagine being a 10-year-old with tan lines, a square tan line on your face from a mask in the middle of summer? Oh, my God. 
Just incredible. Over on quitefranklysuperchat.com, Stostube, thank you so much for a wonderful tip. Katie Sky says, screw that, I'm not getting re- I'm not getting religious, I'm not getting vaccinated because I don't want to, period. That's the reason I used to I used before and I'm sticking with it. I lost my job over it and found a better one. Love your show. Keep ruling hard. Katie, there you go. Woman on a mission right there. Dan Schumann, another very generous tip. Thank you, Dan. Says, Frank, society will definitely not be fooled again. Great topic. Hey, since I have so much more I can type, I just want to say, go Trump. I'll vote for him a third time. Maybe that will be the charm. Yeah. Hope a lot. I think a lot of people are saying that. Now, on Rumble, there was one rant there. I don't know if there was more that were, that were just... Del- I don't know what happens over here. But Rumble, this is from Didrio, says, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation conducted another pandemic tabletop exercise in Brussels, Belgium, on October 23rd, 2022. I remember that. I don't remember many of the, the details, but I remember that. Also last year was um, Polygon. Jack Bamberger. On Rockvin says, people will do what is easiest when it comes to the fall protocols. I don't have much faith in the sheeple. I think that there's going to be a lot. I think there'll be quite a few people that bend as well. I know there'll be less of them. But again, it's all really about what kind of majorities. What kind of majorities are left over? So um, now I want to just bring something. I want to bring a friend into the, uh, the show here. That is Mr. Robert Phoenix. Now, Robert, it's been a couple of, I don't know, it's been a couple of months since Robert's been back on. He's joining us, joining us for a quick hit. You can find all of his work at robertphoenix.com. I believe I have it linked in the description. If I have not, I'll go and I'll give it a shot I'll, after the show. Astrologer, talk show host, generally good guy to talk to. Robert, how you feeling? Frank, I'm great, man. Uh, thanks for having me on. It's always it's always cool to be here with you. Oh, it's great to have you on. And I know it's a quick hit tonight, but sometimes the quick hits hit hardest. Um, we're talking a lot about the fall lockdown rumors um, because those rumors came out hard about a week ago. Now we start seeing some some college campuses falling in line, things that people are like, oh, is this proof positive? Uh, from your standpoint, you're a pretty good uh, analyzer uh, of all things society but also you look to the stars for some help as well what do you see as far as fall lockdown rumors any any merit to it you think it's going to happen well i mean if we look at uh the colleges as any indicator uh looks like rutgers has required their students to uh, be vaccinated that includes the mrna variety uh, and uh, I guess Morris Brown in Atlanta, which is an HBCU, um, is requiring students to be vaxxed and uh, masked. So, you know, I think that there's some validity to it. My mother, uh, who's recently started to live with me because she uh, had a, a kind of a, a wellness crisis, uh, has been seeing, a, a, you know, a nurse on a regular basis. They come by and they pay visits. and. Mm-hmm. You know, the nurse was whispering that there's this new thing out that they're encountering now. Like, and so there's something in the air, right? Um, I feel like what we're going to get is we're going to get a like a, a, a pincer effect, and you'll we'll have this new thing, this new variant, or whatever. It could be people that are 
actually displaying some, um, you know, some blowback from the original experiences that they had with their with their vaccination. Then on the other side, you have the climate stuff, right? So, you know, in in uh, war strategy, they have, they have the pincer effect, where these two these two columns will come in and basically wind up surrounding um, whatever whatever group they're going up against. And I think that's really what we're looking at. It won't be just COVID, but you know, when you see Jay Inslee come out, what was it yesterday or the day before? He's the governor of Washington. Mm basically say that you know we're we're in a climate crisis and we're going to need to lock down or we're going to need to shut down because um all these all these structures and pieces of land are catching on fire and of course that stretches the ability for firefighters and first responders to respond now people remember jay inslee was the first governor to announce Right, a COVID case here in the continental U.S. in Washington State. So here we go. It's sort of like, you know, he's their he's their Gabriel, right? He blows the trumpet, and then theoretically, whatever happened last time could happen again. So I feel like we're we're in this place now. We're it's one side, and then and then the other side. And um, I've been hearing that there's been a lot of production with so-called vaccines that's being ramped up. And if this does happen, then, you know, I think it's gonna be, it's gonna be one of those moments where, you know, you're gonna have to find a hill, right? Is this your hill? Because I don't think they're gonna let up if they go down this path. It's, it's not like there's gonna be an all clear, and oh yeah, we wound up containing this thing thanks to our miraculous vaccine. I think, I think it's gonna be for all the marbles, yeah, um, that's what I think, and 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 I think people are at a at a real tipping point with everything from the economy, uh, inflation, the housing market. I've been reading the housing numbers; they're horrible. Um, the you know the uh, employment rate is is you know really terrible. People are getting laid off. AIs waiting in the wings. So we're at a really precarious point. And then astrologically, we have Mercury retrograde, which starts tomorrow. And then that throws us back into, you, you, the, if not the actual event, the trauma of the event, like the trauma of, of COVID is still lingering very close to the surface for people. And that in and of itself is a bit of a gaslight too, right? Now you've got a bunch of people, you know, running around thinking is my business going to survive am i going to be able yeah. to last through this right and then you have cortisol levels going up and people start to act out and you know none of it is good you know even if it's a rumor um or even if it it, it, it feels like a soft launch it's not good well let me you know what let, let me let me read something to you because this is this is a really incredible thing here so i grabbed a comment from the audience from one show or another, and it's pretty relevant here. You listen to this, what you're just saying, and I guess this is going to be just a, a good way for you to just talk about general fall predictions going into 2024, and then I want to end real quick with the X eclipse that we know happens in April 2024 when it goes through upstate New York and all that, but it forms this X, and people saying that that is, uh, what is this all about? What's the significance? But listen to this comment. This is from Gabriel said somewhere in his recollections on the revolution of 1848 alexi de tocqueville mentions that on the eve of the outbreak of the revolution 
there suddenly appeared as if it were a massive outbreak of a disease, many people, mostly young, who behaved in public in strange, bizarre, often violent ways, which until then could only have been seen in insane asylums. Um, I said I, I screen captured that comment right away, and I knew that it would be good for a night talking, and, and here we are tonight. Uh, th- there is a certain level of degeneracy or degenerative you know, thinking, and it, it's just it's insane right now. So I, I wanted to throw that into the mix there, too. Yeah, well, I mean, clearly society is off the rails. I mean, what was would have been considered... Um, behavior that you could be locked up for and institutionalized is now lionized, and um, you know it's 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 been give it's been given, you know the 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 rites of passage. And so that if you uh, look and act a certain way, you know all of a sudden you, you're part of the untouchable class, and uh, and we can see this every single day. And what the factors are around that are, are fairly complex. But, um, yeah, I mean, there's a point there. You know, it's, you know, who was it? It was, um, oh, what's her name? It's the the uh, the feminist. I always space out her name. She's like the anti-feminist feminist. But she talks about how when society starts to uh, approach things like transgenderism and uh, trans identities, those societies are, are close to being pr- pushed over the precipice. And, um, she names a couple of examples of when this has happened. It certainly had happened in points of time in Greece, mm-hmm. uh, points of time in Rome. Uh, so you know we're kind of we're kind of in that place right now. And uh, but on the other hand, I mean, I have to say that there's also been a real upsurge in men. I'm going to use the word men waking up and kind of you know shaking the shackles off of their. Their, their their mindset and their emotions and their psyche and their body today I was on Twitter and uh, hashtag um, uh, which we call it uh, the the meat diet right like like the meat diet is trending on Twitter I'm like wow really you know carnivores trending like that's really interesting like why is carnivore trending on Twitter and astrologically what we have is we have the true node in Aries and urinaries, right? So when you get into Aries, you get into things that are primary, like primary sources of meat or food, right? Aries is immediate. So, you know, Aries is the the sort of the hunter-gatherer, you know, of our species. And when you get into the hunter-gatherer mode, you know, you're getting into things like meats and proteins and blood. So we have the true node in Aries, the carnivore diet's trending. Uh, and then you... you or essentially watching men start to wake up here. So that's also happening at the same time. And and I think we're, this is what we're going to see. We're going to see equal amounts of high strange and weird and degeneracy, but we're also going to see what I would say would be a healthy response to that. Like that's also happening. And that won't get the headlines. That won't get the press. But it's taking place and we're just in this kind of vector now we had we had a run with pluto and aquarius and the whole you know trans portal was open for a while and then it shut down it's interesting because when pluto retrograded back into capricorn it's almost to the day when starbucks start stopped running their promotion 
for Pride Month. Like it, Pride Month really just stopped once Pluto went back into Capricorn. Mm. But we had to look at it. We had we had a glimpse as to what Pluto and Aquarius would look like, and it's really weird. You know, it's really weird, really strange, really different, but it's also uniquely contrarian. And that if something starts off to set out in a certain direction, right, what usually happens is that the inverse of that thing begins to occur. And it's just the law. It's just like this law of inversion with Aquarius. And so I would say that the stranger things get and the weirder things get, in some ways, the sort of the recoil will be more normalcy. So, I like that idea. I, I, yeah, I think it's I think it's a really interesting time and to sit back and say that this thing is going to go linear and just go in one direction, which is straight to hell. I don't think would be um, I don't I don't think that that would be the the right take on it. Well, you know what I think? I, there is a, a certain level. There's certain that there's a uh, there's a conscious when, when you talk about consciousness, especially people who start coming into their own, they start waking up, they start seeing them, especially you're talking about the the awakening of men, men taking a little bit more um, interest in themselves, in nutrition, in taking, you know, just breaking away from what has been a very, um, I I don't know, uh, repressive kind of a a culture toward men and the, the need for this kind of a thing, this balance. I think that what it is is it's not necessarily that the bad isn't going to get worse. I think that there's going to be unique opportunities that we don't even know of right now where many of us could simply step aside and let the train of fools go off the edge without us coming down, going down with them. That we can kind of it just dodge the bullet and allow people to go off and choose that hell to go down there and finish that that walk and that descent into hell while we um while we we make a little bit more of a side preparation and wait it out now as far as as far as going head to head with a roving rogue government that sees all and wants to dominate all and that wants to see every penny that you move from every uh, bank account, every purchase, wherever you're going to go. Uh, you're talking about these these conglomerate groups of uh, these conglomerates that care nothing about tracking and and data and AI. I mean, it's a little bit harder to sidestep something like that. But as far as the social crush goes, I think that it's going to be. Um, I think people are are a lot of people are going to choose the exit, whether they whether they they know it or not, and others are going to choose. A little bit more of a life-affirming fight, and but you know what? Let me ask you this because we have very limited time. Uh, with particularly the X eclipse, um, what are we looking at in spring of 2024, and what do you think it signifies? So one of the things that I think would be interesting is to expand the conversation and the uh, uh, the actual geometry of the eclipse. So I'm going to sit back a little bit right here, and if you're if you're watching this, what you can see are actually three eclipse paths. You have the eclipse from 2017, which started at the 33rd, uh, the 33rd state, which is Oregon, and then the 2017 eclipse exited at the 33rd parallel, which is really interesting, right? And then we have this eclipse that's going to be here in October on the 14th 
starting in Oregon and it comes down and you can see where it's going to come right through Texas. Under the other eclipse, which is the one that you're referring to in April, it's coming up from the same place in Texas and then goes up to the northeast. And so really what you're seeing here is what's called an Aleph, which is the first letter in the Hebrew alphabet. And the Aleph means two separate things. One, since it's the first letter, it represents the totality of God, right? It's kind of interesting. But the other thing that the Aleph represents is the head of an ox. And so, and there's different kinds of configurations for the Aleph. And, you know, what, is, what does it all mean, right? Like, when you take it out of that, 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 that cross, which is exactly what you're talking about, and you bring in this other eclipse... To me, it's monumental, and um, I think it could go two different ways. One, it could be this idea that people are being unyoked, right? Like the the, the you know the the oxen, the, the the slave class, you know, the human species, you know, could be unyoked here through through these eclipses. But also, if we're looking at it from the standpoint that the Aleph represents the totality of God, you know, we can see the, these eclipses as foreshadowing events that we can't even really comprehend. Hmm. You know, that, that that there could be things that will happen that would border borderline uh, or be on the border of, of the supernatural in some ways. And we know that they can manipulate the weather. They can do all these things, right? But I also believe that there's a supernatural force in nature and creation that is separate from that, although, you know, some people could try to manipulate it. Maybe they get a slight slice of it a little bit. So this, these are really interesting eclipses. If you take away the eclipse in October, you get that cross. And to me, that's America at the crossroads. And it's a quartering, right? The last eclipse really cut the country in half because... If you look at it, you know, we became a divided nation. And, and that was right at the beginning, 2017, so Trump was in office for a little over a year, right? That happened right on right on his ascendant. And, and it really just, it's, it's almost like the Mason-Dixon line in a lot of ways. So you had all these images of slavery and, and uh, colonialism and plantationism, right? This next eclipse, not the one in October, but the one in April, actually kind of dovetails the, the Mississippi River. And that eclipse is the one, they're, they're all powerful, don't get me wrong, but that April eclipse is really powerful. And it, it has this relationship with the New Madrid fault line. And if there was going to be something that would be a precursor for a much larger event, like the splitting, of the Mississippi River, this eclipse would actually portray something like that. It, it, and there are a lot of this you know, the, 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 psychics who have actually predicted that at are, some point. Now, right? I, you're the first one I asked about that, too. I was going to, I think I have Jeff Harmon coming on the show in September. I was going to ask him about this as well. So you're you're setting a foundation for this um, this particular question of not only the track of that, that April eclipse, but where these two these two tracks meet in the center of the country there. Is there any significance to where X marks actually marks the spot? Uh, sure. 
Absolutely. What's going on right there where the, where the two uh, meet? Well, that would be the epicenter of these two eclipses. The other area that really bears witnessing is down here in Texas, where this eclipse and this eclipse, this will start in Oregon and then come down. And then the other eclipse in April will come up. But they're basically from the same place. And and I, and I feel like there's big trouble uh, on the horizon with the cartels. Because this the, the eclipse in, uh, in, in, in October will be in the sign of Libra. But in April, it'll be, it'll be in the sign of Aries. And Aries, of course, is all about conflict and war and you know, uh, martial action. And it's a precursor for where we go to the end of 2025 when Neptune and Saturn conjunct in Aries. And that period from late 2025 to actually 2026 to 2029, that three-year period is going to be, I think, the hardest three years in the history of this country um, because there are going to be so many things that are falling apart and dissolving, like order. But then you'll also see the rise of things like vigilantes. And I mean, it's going to be a very, it's going to be the Wild West on steroids that three years. So we're in a bit of an interregnum. But these two eclipses will give us some insight, and particularly the one in April. That's that's the biggie. That 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 April eclipse in Aries is very significant. And as far as that, let me see if I can track that center let's find out where that is i have this up in my uh my computer here so we pop it open i guess that would be the obvious that's uh, st louis that is right in st louis which is interesting because that's where the archway is right yeah. and the archway is completely masonic it's a it's a totally masonic um hoop and so that's happening right there and the archway is like the gateway between the east and the west that's what it symbolizes right the eastern part of the united states and the western part of the united states so that's right there it's right there st louis uh you've got the missouri river and then you have the mississippi just you know kind of off to the eastern side of things so that's a pretty that's a pretty interesting area for that to take place absolutely yeah absolutely is Uh, robert phoenix i I thank you so much for the the little uh the checkup can't wait to have a larger conversation with you about something sometime soon but we're we're in contact so i know we we can pull it together quick when that opportunity arises is there anything you want to plug before we leave yeah i'm having an event on the eclipse down here in texas Uh, in in april no in october no we have the october eclipse that's right right. that's Um, right on the 14th, so from Friday the 13th, that's the Friday the 13th that the uh, Knights Templar were slaughtered in uh, the south of France. Um, and uh, so we're having, I have a, a, a yearly event here. This is our fifth one in Kerrville, Texas. And we got a great lineup. Uh, my buddy, Dr. Narco Longo from Old World, Florida is gonna be here. My friend, Shauna Home who's an amazing uh, healer. And, and so we, we, this happens uh, every year. And I, and I have some slots left. And you can go to robertphoenix.com if you're interested in attending and being, like, right in the epicenter of the October eclipse. That's You know, and that's that's one of those things where it's very rare, but it's awesome when we get a Friday the 13th in October. That's right? a, that's a whole that's a whole other level of yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, Robert uh, robertphoenix.com, it's great to have you on. Thank you for uh for closing the show out with me, my friend. Thanks, Frank. You take care. All right. There you go. There you go. There he goes. And that was nice.
St. Louis, huh? Boy. I don't know what to say. Something. Anyway, tomorrow night will be another good night to spend together. I just emptied the treasure chest on DLive. I've been doing that a lot lately. Uh, the treasure chest has come back. So for those of you who watch on DLive, feel free to send lemons and all that stuff, and I will pay you back in kind. So that's that's nice. But let me see. Make sure I didn't miss anybody. We're good on Rockfin. We are good on, quite frankly, superchat.com. And we have Jay Semo on the the Rumble Rant. says, I worked for some pharmaceutical clinic clinical trial support on filing... Uh, on filing to the FDA for approval. Do I take the drugs? No. Yeah. Well, that's good. A, that's good. On a personal level. Maintain that autonomy. But thank you guys and gals. It was a very uh, very good show tonight, I believe. I feel good about it. Now I'm going to go in the other room and do a little bit of work on those uh, those drums. If you're on the Gilded, maybe I'll pop in there and I'll just have the... Uh, the webcam going while I tune my resonant heads. Got all new resonant heads on those uh, on the drums. But um, thank you. Everything else you need, all information about this show is on quitefrankly.tv. And if you love watching it every night, then I would implore you become a sponsor for as little as two dollars a month, right there on the uh, on the sponsor us page on quitefrankly.tv. I'll show it to you right now. There, look. Look at how easy this is. Quite frankly, not TV. It's the Sponsor Us page. Thank you for your support. That's that. And right there, through the website, you can go, boom. For the lowest one is two. And what do you get? A follow back on Twitter. Automatic entry into monthly raffles. We actually have to do two raffle pullings this week, uh, this month, because... Uh, July, the move has really gotten gotten to us, so we forgot July. We have to do July and August. Uh, invites to private Sunday afternoon bonus streams, including book clubs. Book club is tomorrow with Lindsay Sharman. That's going to be a really great one. And also remember, if you are looking to get back on the reading train, October is right around the corner. And in the month of October, we're reading The Godfather by Mario Puzo with Jay Dyer. He's coming back to co-host... Um, to co-host book club so get in before that and with that i'll see you all tomorrow thank you so much thank you ladies and gents nighty night and sayonara i'll catch you on the flip side Frankly, is filmed before a live studio audience, and now our super chatters, starting with Stostube, Katie Sky, Dan Schumann, Jay Semo, and where is our other friend over there, Didrio. Thank you, thank you so much, and also to Jack Bamberger on Rockfin. You guys and gals are loved, and I'll see you tomorrow. Good night.
how'd it go? What's it take to get some fucking smoked turkey in this house, huh? What? I bust my ass all day long. When I come home, I want a little smoked turkey. Is that too fucking much to ask? What the fuck is your problem? Everything but fucking turkey in here. Will you shut?